Rosen is the Ren and Stimpy. Of- <laughs> hey, everybody, this is Keith Paul Jason. And of course, there is still a Fatherhood Rocks podcast. I know that I have not released content since May of 2018. It is now January of 2019. I haven't gone anywhere. I just haven't been productive with the podcast. So I'm very sorry about that. And ask that you do forgive me. I've got more content coming for you. Some interviews that have been recorded that just need to be edited. And this will be the first one that I release in 2019. Who you are about to hear from is a man that incredibly encouraged me when we spoke in a number of ways. Um, I had the opportunity to sit down and talk with a former NBA coach of the year, um, a former NBA basketball player, a guy who grew up uh, playing high school basketball with Wilt Chamberlain, played for the Detroit Pistons, played for a few other teams in his professional career. And then, of course, in 1974, he was named the NBA's coach of the year with the Detroit Pistons. Now, he also is very close to my heart because he coached my alma mater. And that's Eastern Michigan University. He did so from 1976 to 1980. And he's just really had a big impact in the community as well here in the Ypsilanti area. So I want to go ahead and get into my conversation with Coach Ray Scott on the Fatherhood Rocks podcast. You know, fatherhood uh, is uh, something that is very important in our lives. Uh, and it's just, it just calls on our ability to, uh, to really deal with it. And there is no exact way. There's no uh, science. There's no uh, mathematical process. Uh, it's just we're there. And the greatest thing to me uh, about fathers, when I see the very, very good fathers, we all share uh, the common uh, theme of being present. And uh, because our presence in our family means everything, I, I, it means everything to me. I think it means a lot to my daughters. I have three daughters uh, that live with me. Uh, actually, two now. Got one is gone. Okay. <laughs> so I now have two. Uh, but uh, I have a blended family of children. I have five other children, uh, uh, one from a former relationship and one from a former marriage. Um, but they're all my kids. Uh, they uh, uh, are blended they're together. There's just brothers and sisters. Um, and that was very important to me to see them get that feeling for each other on their own. It's through introductions, conversations, Facebook, Instagram, Instagram Twitter, all of that way. Uh, they have a method of communicating. So as a father, uh, like it would be with your sons, I'm most pleased when I see my kids interacting. That's great. Now, you said that they've gotten to know each other, you know, in a variety of ways. Mm-hmm. So social media, um, other ways along those lines. What's that like to watch that bond form um, in an online format? Yeah, that, and it, it, it's good, good observation because it is something I watch being that uh, I'm not astute in those fields. Uh, however, uh, I've used the medium of Facebook to keep in touch with all of the kids so I know where they are, what they're doing, how things are going in their relationships, etc. So that allows me to keep in touch and I join the phrase somewhat, but I'm not a full-fledged member. Um, but it, I, the question was, how does it make you feel? It, it makes me feel really good that I'm included uh, in those dialogues. 
my opinion is asked. Uh, so uh, as a dad, you know, you, you try to move with technology, mm -hmm. uh, which in today's market uh, for a senior citizen, as soon as I learn something, that's gone and there's something else to, to pick up on. Okay. Now, you talked a little bit about just how important it is to be present. Mm -hmm. And whether that's an online presence, whether that's a physical presence, mm -hmm. um, what was it like over the years balancing the game of basketball mm -hmm. um, and trying to be present as a father in the lives right. of your children? Well, I'm, I'm divorced, so that will give you the, 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 the unhappy ending. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think, in my opinion... Professional sports, to me, seems to be young men's sports. And the commitment that you make to those sports, in my opinion, takes you away from family. And I think the balance of family in sports, as we know it, uh, is one of the most difficult balancing acts that there are. Um... I think we all start out with our high school or college sweethearts. And then we get into that area of our professional sweethearts. Um, and it, it, that, as that changes, as that period in your life changes, uh, it's very damaging, in, in my opinion, to the kids, to okay. the children. Um, because it seems to me the children that suffer in those relationships uh, at no time did they have the security of a father. Mm. And you really don't get that until you really comply with all of the areas of fatherhood. And then you get it. You understand it. And what you understand is what your kids from your former marriage missed. Mm. And that's, that's not a good feeling. I can imagine. Now, you played 10... 11, how many 11 years, years was a professor? So 11 years as a pro, mm -hmm. average just about a double-double. I yes. think it was like... I, in the NBA, I did. Oh, in the NBA, yeah. Yeah, my, my, the reason, the only reason I didn't for my career is because I played uh, two years in the ABA. Okay. And neither of those years uh, did I average a double-double. I, I averaged, I think, the first year about 14, 15 points a game, and which was my career average. And then mm -hmm. the last year I was injured, I was in a cast. And so that pulled my numbers down. Yeah. But the NBA numbers are 15 and 10. So Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So now um, you played with a lot of other people oh, yeah. who people, uh, you know, <laughs> really, I mean, obviously they know you as well. Mm -hmm. But I think you spent a lot of time with Wilt. Yes. Um, now, did you all grow up? Yes. Together? Yes. Okay. He was from West Philadelphia, and I was from South Philadelphia. Okay. And when I was a junior, when I became a varsity player, uh, because I transferred from Catholic school to public school, and I had two years remaining, in my first year as a junior at West Philadelphia High School, the biggest rivalry was with Overbrook High School. And the guy uh, who was that guy was an 18-year-old guy by the name of Wilton Norman Chamberlain, who was about seven feet, six eleven, seven feet, legitimately, and a very, very gifted athlete. Uh, he was that guy uh, on a basketball court that taught me humility. I'm, I'm a person of great humility, and I like to say it was taught to me by Wilt Chamberlain. 
uh, in my junior year. And when I was 16 years old, I learned it. That <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. I mean, I, I would imagine he helped a lot of people learn yeah. humility over his yeah. career. There, there should be a lot of us <laughs> humble guys walking around. You're right. <laughs> now, so the game of basketball took you a lot of places. Um, after you were done playing or after the ball stopped bouncing, so yeah. to speak, um, you were fortunate to be able to transition over. Uh, to a coaching role, and not just to a coaching role, but to actually be acknowledged uh, league-wide mm -hmm. as the best coach in the league in 1974. Talk to me for just a minute about how those uh, experiences as a coach transition over to your experience as a father. That's a great question. I, I think that because in my time as a coach, uh, that is after uh, the period of my divorce, and I was single, so as a father at that time, um, I was what, I was a father in name only, but I was distant. I was coaching, I was on the road, uh, we were divorced. Uh, so there wasn't really that relationship there for my children that there should have been. Uh, and for that, I plead guilty and ask for a light sentence. I, I know that that had to be damaging to my children. Um, but their mother did such a great job with them. I, I have to say this, that all of the kids are, are very successful. They all succeeded. And uh, I, I think that the problems that exist by being a coach and being absent and yet having the title of father, I often sit and think about what that must mean to the children to assign this man the title of father when father really isn't a title. Okay. Fatherhood is, is a presence, and, that, and I believe that. Um, so I've, I've uh, learned, uh, because in the last 30 years of being a father, I've learned so many things. Uh, but the most important thing, again, that I've learned. Who would you say that you look up to in terms of uh, whether it be a fatherhood style or maybe somebody who was influential in helping shape the way that you view fatherhood? My mother. Okay, tell me some more about yeah, that. My mother, because my father died oh. when I was eight years old and my little brother was two years old. Okay. And so my model for care and security uh, came from my mom. Uh, and what I remember, uh, and I'm, my next birthday, I'll be 80 years old. So when I say remember, that's <laughs> that's a blessing. A, that's an accomplishment. <laughs> yeah, it's a accomplishment blessing for sure. <laughs> but uh, what I remember uh, as an eight, from being an eight-year-old, uh, is we had the funeral on a Friday for my father. Okay. And on Monday, my mother went to work. Wow. So I went from a very secure kid in a third floor walk up in Philadelphia with two parents, baby brother, uh, a system of living. Um, and I went from that kid to a latchkey kid, what we call today a latchkey kid, mm -hmm. uh, to taking care of my two-year-old brother who had to, I had to get him to nursery. I had to get him to kindergarten. I had to get him to, to grade school. Uh, that was on, and I picked them up, and so that was on me uh, as a young man. I had to pay the bills. I had not 
financially but physically go and pay bills. That was my responsibility. So I remember growing up quickly overnight. There wasn't that space that you get growing up that we give our children. Yeah. Um, I had to aid and abet my mom. And my mom was strong. And the reason I know she was strong is living in the neighborhood that I lived in, it was her rules, regulations, and follow-ups that saved me. And I didn't realize it at the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, as I progressed through life uh, and the successes that I had, um, they were very much attributable to my mom. Uh, so by not having a dad, those things that were putting, put in me, integrity, loyalty, all those things came from my mom. And she saw to it that I had a very good education, mm -hmm. that I went to uh, a Christian school. So that was very strong. She insisted upon that, that we go to Christian school, my brother and I. So at, uh, I remember in fifth grade, and my baby brother was in his last year of kindergarten, of care. And in fifth grade, I really had to stand up and accept responsibility. You think back to that time now, I was 10 years old. Yeah. I was 10 years old. Yeah, I have a hard time imagining yeah. how my, my eight-year-old son would Thank you. take care of the family. That's right. Uh, if, if for some reason I were to depart. That's right. Um, so I, I can only imagine what that must right. have, I mean, I can't even imagine what that must yeah. have been like. Yeah. Um, so, but I, I, and I pray that never happens. I, I, I don't want to use that as an example, uh, because yeah. it's a reality mm -hmm. and I don't want to, you know, convey that to someone else. I don't want that to happen to you and your sons. And I pray that it never happens. Yeah, I, I pray the um, same. That's for sure. But, the, but it's the, it's the reality and, you know, in so many terms are used, uh, I remember, you know, people talked about the ghetto. I didn't know I lived in a ghetto, uh -huh. you know, because every kid was like me. Yep. You know, we were, we were all striving to achieve just as they say, we were just trying to make it. Mm -hmm. And I was fortunate because I didn't become one of those kids. And when I say those kids, it's the ones who don't develop and become antisocial. So I was again, blessed by my mother blessed by my school schooling that I was gaining social skills. Not excellent, you mm -hmm. know, but just enough that I could have a comprehension of what I needed to make it in society. Uh, I sit and talk with my girls about that all the time. And they have that comprehension of what's important, your family, your faith, your career, things that you that you work towards and are basically inside of you but a lot of times with a lot of kids we don't get to pull that all out you know that and to me uh faith is everything faith is everything absolutely you know i'm 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 not a strong religious person because i'm very suspicious of anything organized by men but what i share with my kids is their faith you must all have faith and no matter where we live in this world, if we stop and think about it, the connecting phenomenon in the world is faith. Everybody has it. Yeah. In something. They believe in Ab something. Absolutely. Or someone. Yeah. So uh, we have a Christian faith mm -hmm. 
and I try to share that with my kids. They, in turn, because I went to Christian school, they all went to Christian school. Okay. You know, so and th that was a, a lesson learned. But I feel that with my kids, my older kids, in the family that I departed from or was absent from, they don't have that base. They mm -hmm. don't have that foundation. Okay. And that's the thing, Keith, that I, I'm concerned about in society. I don't see enough kids developing those social skills nor those skills of faith, of belief in, as you said, belief in something. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you, you highlighted earlier that you've got three girls mm -hmm. uh, who, well, two now who live at home. Mm -hmm. uh, one moved out recently. Um, so, you know, on the podcast, a lot of the time, uh, I, I, it hasn't been intentional, but I've spoken with a lot of fathers who are raising sons. Haven't spoken and spent a lot of time focusing on fathers who are right. raising daughters. Right. So, uh, not unfortunately, uh, but it's just has, as, as it has turned out, right. um, I have two sons. Right. Um, so, I don't know what it's like uh, to raise a little girl. Yeah. So, what is that like? Okay, you want me to do what it's like just uh, raising a young woman? You know, it's, it's, it's funny you say that because I just had a conversation uh, the other night. Uh, I have a I have a 30 year old, a 28 year old, and a 25 year old. 25 year old, 28 year old live at home. The 30 year old is married. Your kids compliment you in ways that they when they don't even know they're complimenting you. For instance, I had a conversation just the other night with my 30 year old, and she said, "You know, you and my husband think the same way. I married my father." You know, uh, there was a uh, just had a conversation with my daughter st explaining to her the care that a man should provide. And I'm very proud of them for becoming engaged with not to, but engaged with the men that they do because they're not because they're perfect guys, but because you have expectations. That's I like right. what you said about being engaged with and yeah, not to not to. Can you explain that a little bit more? Yeah, I, I, I think when we, and, and your sons, and the best way is, to me is always an example. Your sons will be engaged with some young lady. And you'll be sitting back looking at that because you're going to check it out because it's your boys. That's your heart and soul. And when they become engaged with that person, you're going to set standards. You're going to have standards that you want them to abide by, which they're going to take out of the house with them. Now, the person that they are engaged with, they may not become engaged to. That happens with our boys and girls. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the, the danger in that, for, for, and I would say this to your boys, people see the Jason boys coming, people are going to feel, because they know you, Hey, these, these kids, these are great kids. But what you will say as a dad, hey, look, the kids, they'll make it on their own. And the father that has the girls, which is me, I'm going like, well, I hope this is a long-term, <laughs> really great relationship. And it's going to come down to whether I like the young man or not. And what I'll find is my daughter will say to me, as they have said to me, well, if you like them so much, you marry them. <laughs> you know, but I'm, we're in it to see 
and to have an engagement, a relationship. And so what I found in, the, in that growing up, because the kids taught me so much, is that I need to be very, very good and very specific to what my expe expectations are as a father. Okay. See, that's, and, and I think that, I think I've been blessed because I think that my girls hear me with that. So the difference in raising girls is it's like an apple and an orange. There's a difference, but they're going to come together. Okay. They're going to be in the same bowl. There you go. And so I, what we want to do as fathers, in my opinion, is make sure that we've given our kids the substance of integrity, of faith, yeah. of kindness, all those things that you have in a relationship so that when push comes to shove, we always say to our kids, you said to your boys, I said to my girls, it, it's, it's over, but it's not a mess. You didn't leave a hot mess behind because, you know, and that's what we, we worry about in relationships with our kids, if, if it's going to turn into something that is not wholesome. So mm -hmm. I, I think that's what we work towards as parents. And we do a lot of it, in my opinion, <clears throat> and just knowing you, I know we do a lot of it by example. Mm -hmm. That's what fathers do. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I learned so much about myself from watching the way my sons interact mm -hmm. with, them, with each other, mm -hmm. with their mother, with other people in the community. Mm -hmm. um, there are things that I see that I don't even realize that I do mm -hmm. until I see them do it. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, oh man. I should probably think about that some right, more. Right. Um, I don't have any specific examples off the top of my head, but I know that there have been times when I've heard my oldest son who, I mean, if you look at our kids, you see my, my oldest son is almost a carbon copy of me. Mm -hmm. My youngest son is almost a carbon copy of my wife. Mm -hmm. um, and there have been times when I've listened to my oldest son speak and said, man, he, that's me all <laughs> day. And I really need to watch my mouth probably yeah. a little yeah, bit yeah, more yeah, with yeah. what I'm saying. Um, so, but coming back to the, uh, the, the raising young women side of things. So, uh, young man shows up at the door for a first date. Yeah. Are, you, are you there with a whole bunch of questions? Are you there with a shotgun? Which, uh, which dad were you? Uh, well, depending on the young man, it could be both. It could just be, you know. But I have a support system. Okay. And, I, and I'll tell you the big thing that has happened in my life with having girls. And that is the exposure of African-American males in their life, period. Mm -hmm. That means that they see an uncle, they see an uncle, they see an aunt, mm -hmm. they see a godmother. So in their, their lives, they see this network of support. Um, that's a strong introduction too for fathers, making sure uh, that that circle of support is there for the kids. Uh, with girls, I think it's very important that they see other, imp uh, how do I want to say it, that they see other African-American men in their lives that are successful, mm -hmm. that are positive, that are loving. So that means a lot. Yeah. There's, there's not that feeling of male rejection and by feeling that way, I have to do anything males want to be accepted. You know, so we've, we've worked, very, my wife and I have worked very hard to give our kids that substance. 
that yeah. they can evaluate situations. They can respect, love people. Uh, they can reject what is bad. And I, I go back to something you said when you say that that kid is just like me. Mm-hmm. You know, that is not, that's still prevalent with fathers and daughters. Okay. I have a middle daughter and I say, oh, that's me. <laughs> and the other two daughters say, you're just like dad. Uh-huh. And I'll hear her and I go like, I'm like that. <laughs> you <know>? Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, no, I, I can relate. So, I you can know what I mean? Relate. So I, I, I think I don't. I, as a father, I don't think we miss a lot of parts mm-hmm. that are similar. Okay, with our kids, kids are still going to be kids. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, I love what you said about providing a support system or establishing a support system for your kids, where they see success, they see unity, they yeah. see. Um, really themselves reflected in the generations Mm -hmm. before them. And that's one of the things that as a father that I am working to understand more Mm -hmm. because the further I go, the more I understand that conversations um, that my father had with me uh, don't go into all the depth that I probably will have to go into conversations with my sons. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, for those who are listening who have never met me before, um, as as a white man, uh, who's interracially married, uh, raising biracial children. Um, you know, I, I realized very well that the conversations my father had with me w- didn't come from the same perspective right. uh, that, that I will have to talk with my children about. Right. Um, and there's a lot of things that I have experienced through observation or have learned through mm-hmm. observation, mm-hmm. Um, but have never, obviously, just by default, of who I am, right. um, had to uh, experience uh, right. and learn through experience. Right. You know, I can I can tell you about situations right. where I've been pulled over by the police right. for being the only white man right. in a black neighborhood. <laughs> so they true. assume that I'm there to buy drugs. Right. But even in those in- interactions in those those times, I've never once felt what it's like to mm-hmm. actually. It would be foolish for me mm-hmm. to think that I understand. Right what that's like right um so i'm i'm working very diligently to try to provide the right support system for my sons right now and and expose them to the right uh male influence because i realize that there are some things that just by again virtue of me being who i am Mm -hmm. um i can't really speak to from an experiential standpoint Mm -hmm. um and so i don't want to be that guy who's like well go talk to your uncle yeah (laughs) or or go talk to your mother right but i want them to be able to see that Right. Um, and, and it's just very, very important that they've, they've got that to see. So I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because it makes me uh, revisit some of those thoughts in my own mm-hmm. head. Um, just kind of wrapping things up because I know you've got some other things you've got to mm-hmm. do tonight. Um, can you share any advice that you would have for fathers out there? I, 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 and like I said, uh, you know, this is going to be my, my next uh, time around the sun will be my 80th. And so I and happy I, birthday early, Coach. You. Eighty is a, that's yeah. a blessing. But I and I feel blessed. Um, but as just as just talking about the things that you're speaking to, with respect to your family, because men, you know, we we're men. Game recognizes game. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so I know you. I know you in the community. I know what you've achieved. And I know what you stand for. The thing that we all because my my marriage is interracial also. Mm-hmm. The most important things, Keith, uh, most, not even things, the most important thing we will ever, ever, ever teach our children is to respect a person's humanity. 
because the one thing that has always been challenged for me, not for you, mm -hmm. but for me, and it will be challenged for your boys and my girls, mm -hmm. will be their humanity. Yeah. And they have to have a humanity with it in them that comprehends the elements that they live in in this country. Yeah. Because there will be many, many challenges because you are a minority. And so your kids will see that and they will turn to you because you're their father. And what will come out to you as your kids speak is their humanity because that is what has been challenged in them. Mm -hmm. And they will be so much further ahead of the game when as my girls tell me sometimes, Dad, it's not worth even getting into that because they just don't understand. And so you have, they will understand, your boys will understand the gifts that you give them and understanding their humanity, they can extend it to others. So they become what? The ones in charge. That's all we can teach them. We can give them all the money in the world. We can give them all the trips in the world. We can give them all the things in the world. But if we don't give them a humanity, we failed. Well, there you have it. That's my conversation with Coach Scott. So many nuggets that he dropped over our almost half hour conversation. Um, and I'm just very, like I said, very encouraged by what I learned from the time that we had to talk. Now, I do need to put out the disclaimer that that conversation was actually recorded, I believe, in October of 2017. But I thought I lost the file and didn't run across it again until just the other day. Um, so I am very sorry about taking so long to get that interview out, Coach Scott. Um, but I hope that you enjoy hearing it as much as I enjoy sitting down and talking with you. So if you were a fan of what you heard today, please remember to go out to iTunes. You can go out to the Google Play Store. Um, you can go to a bunch of other podcast uh, services like Stitcher um, and a few other places. Player FM, who I'm a big fan of because they've put us on the Fatherhood Rocks, excuse me, put Fatherhood Rocks on the best podcast of fatherhood lists uh, in 2017 and 2018, and we hope to be back in 2019. Um, so you can check it out on Player FM, Stitcher, all the services I just mentioned. Please remember to like, subscribe, rate those podcasts because it helps other people learn about what's going on with Fatherhood Rocks. And as I've always said in the past, remember to just share the podcast with, you know, five million of your closest friends. So I appreciate you taking time to listen, and I look forward to bringing you more content in 2019.